in brightest day, in blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. Let those who worship evil's might beware my power. Green Lantern's life. Pretty cool, huh? Hi, everybody. I'm Chad Bokelman. I'm Mark Marble. And this is the Lantern Cast. Episode 173. That's right. We're doing the uh, Green Lantern core this time around, uh, uh, issue 21, 22, and 23. Um, hopefully I sound okay. I got a little bit of a cold or something like that. I have no idea. Uh, but uh, we'll power through these and get uh, we'll get what we can out of them, and then we'll uh, move on to some listener feedback. Uh, so since Mark so graciously volunteered to uh, take two issues, the first uh, – to review episodes we had i'm doing the uh, review of 21 and 23 and mark will handle 22 huzzah (laughs) (laughs) fun times fun times that's right so we're just gonna jump right in um green lantern core uh number 21 written by robert venditti art by van jensen and i believe inking by bernard chang um we open with John Stewart in Space Sector 2261, approaching the planet Kosh or Kosh. Um, him and Fatality are kind of having like a define the relationship moment above the uh, above the uh, it, well in orbit of Kosh. Uh, as they're uh, coming down on the clouds, um, they uh, are approaching this reactor because uh, the ring kind of gave, gave them information that uh, a reactor had failed and the planet's in jeopardy and. To be perfectly honest, when the, this comic opened, I thought John was about to get a caught in another situation where he was responsible for the death of another planet. But, <laughs> you know, <laughs> whatever. Have to have a few issues where that doesn't happen. Yeah, you got to space those out. <laughs> uh, so uh, as they're kind of uh, discussing back and forth, uh, they come across the, uh, the remains of this uh, reactor area. And apparently it's not been failing. It was attacked. Um, there are some beings inside taking some ruthenium, which is, I'm guessing, kind of like plutonium, but only space plutonium. So <laughs> we got we to gotta keep the inium in there. Uh, whatever. Anyway, so um, the, the only way – John makes a note that if um, they did – if him and Fatality – did not have their rings. They'd be cooked alive, basically. Um, but these be- beings don't have any shielding whatsoever and are just uh, tearing at the uh, ruthenium at the, uh, with their bare hands. Uh, so these beings try to kill Fatality and, uh, and John. And, you know, they're fighting and kind of... John gets good hits in and the ruthenium... I mean, uh, I say ruthenium's good grief. <clears throat> Whatever these beings are, they get uh, they get uh, walloped pretty good. Him and Fatality are going up against them. Then the rings fail, uh, and then these beings cut, and you know it won't be the radi- radiation that kills you. We cut back to Space Sector Zero on the planet Oa, beneath the Citadel, and the quote new Guardians are talking to uh, Salak, and. Salak is like, I want to submit my resignation from the core uh, because he feels like he betrayed the core. He should have known what the Guardians were up to. Um, he said that 
he said that uh well first he says he wants to resign from the core and then a guardian says something but then he says but i cannot remain protocol officer so i'm not sure if he's officially resigning from the core itself or just resigning as protocol officer um they do say that he's uh he needs to uh he needs to take time to make his decision, so whatever. Um, they say the time to rebuild the core has come. For too long, lanterns have fought uh, internecine battles, no idea. allowing shadows to spread across the universe. We go to Space Sector 82 and see this dude kind of, you know, gladiator style, ripping up a bunch of people with an axe. Then Space Sector 1234, uh, this uh, kind of wandering desert horde uh, a group of people the old guy can't, can't keep up the pace so they leave him behind space sector 2525 a woman tucking her uh, son into bed and space sector 1632 we uh, see a bunch of basically people debating a whole giant room of people doing nothing but debating uh, then back to coach where we see that fatality and john have a little residual energy and are trying to stave off these beings then systems are fully restored. Uh, these beings kind of cut and run, leaving John and Fatality to decide either chase after us or try and save Kosh. They try and do that. The, a mushroom cloud goes up anyways, but it doesn't destroy the entire planet. It just explodes. Um, so then we cut back to Oa. Uh, the, uh, what is it, Shorm and whatever this other guy is. I can't, I can't remember his name. Uh, Shorm uh, and another lantern, the, the one with the fishbowl head, kind of uh, are teasing Salak and not really teasing. They're angry at him for what he allowed the Guardians to do to the core. Sora jumps in and says, leave him alone. Then as they go away, Sora and him kind of have a bonding moment where, you know, Sora kind of identifies with him in that she let Korgar be destroyed. After they've had their uh, little discussion, they notice the rings are going off, and then they get the report that Larflees is entering the atmosphere of Oa. Back to Kosh, and uh, Vitality and John are stalking down these beans. They shapeshift into these little kids, uh, which gets the guards at the spaceport to go against them and say, leave them alone. Cut back to all of those four previous sectors that I mentioned. Each of these beings gets a, a Green Lantern ring and gets rocketed off their respective planets up into uh, the sky and to Oa for training. Back ocean. Uh, and uh, <clears throat> they're going up against these guards who are firing at them. Meanwhile, these uh, these beings that they were chasing rocket up and away in the ship. Uh, John gets the transmission that all lanterns to Oa Citadel is under attack from Larflees. Fatality is going to follow the ship, and uh, John will go to Oa. And then uh, as she uh, starts chasing after the ship, we cut inside the ship and realize that these beings are Durlins. Next meltdown. So, yeah, that's it. So what, now, did, you, what did you think? Um, it wasn't bad, but there was a lot of cutting back and forth. Yeah, the pacing was a little odd. Yeah, I mean, I know that it's the first issue of a new creative team where we're trying to set up a, co a couple of different things, so I guess the cutting back and forth was necessary. But, I don't know, it just kind of threw, like you said, yeah, it kind of threw everything off a little bit. 
what did you think? That was pretty much my observation as well. I thought the I thought the pacing was a tad off. Um, it it read better this time than it did when I read it the first time, though. That part I, that part I will openly acknowledge that I I definitely I definitely thought that it was a uh, more enjoyable of a read than the first time I went through it. Um, though I was mu- I kind of was for the most part I was more interested in the stuff on Oa in all honesty than a lot of the other things we were being shown. But um, it was it wasn't bad. It was, but it 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 could have been better. Maybe if yeah, maybe if they had just limited the the cuts and the jumps, they had kept if they had done more things on Oa at one time and more things for John and Fatality at one time, it might have been better. But I think it probably was a better setup issue in a, in many ways than Green Lantern Twenty One was though. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. Um, what did you think? And, and maybe you did see this, but the uh, Space Sector One, Two, Three, Four, uh, the Westlands of Rogira, or whatever the name of that planet is, don't those beings kind of look like Larflees? Let me go back to that page. Uh, I might you might notice it better when the Rogerian gets his ring. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, you're you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Facially, facially, you are correct. There is a there. There's a certain resemblance there. Um, well, not, not just that, but like he kind of looks like Larfley's uh, from the animated series, the way he's all hunched over and the way he walks. But that could be because he's old, too. That's true. Because if you look at the others, they don't seem to be that hunched over. But, yeah, who knows? There could be a, there could be some kind of relation there or a similar species. But, yeah, facial. I, I recognize it with the face first. I mean, that's... I thought that was a cool scene though when he's you know walking in the desert and he's falling behind and I guess that's especially as you find out like in next issue too that I guess it's kind of customary when you when you when you can't keep up any longer they just kind of just let you go let you do your own thing and just die at some point so I guess that's kind of an interesting part of their their culture right fatality looks hot she doesn't look much like fatality though when she's uh, got the spear for the first time after the title page Oh yeah, that's true. But she doesn't. But she doesn't. Which kind of plays into what we talked about with uh, in the Green Lantern issues that, but the Sapphire who kind of looked like Fatality but wasn't in a way. She, this Fatality kind of looks like Fatality but is. <laughs> it's like it kind of doesn't, but kind of doesn't look like Fatality, I should say, but really is. So. Oops, now I'm gonna say I'm gonna say something that'll probably be used in sound clips in the future. Look at those lips. <laughs> uh. <clears throat> What did you think of the art? I thought the art was pretty good. I thought that I think the art was it was pretty consistent. I thought so. I liked the way I liked the way he um, John was drawn. Fatality, um, Salik. I think I thought it was pretty solid overall. I mean, I, I so but some of the aliens when they were on Kosh, it didn't look. It, I think that might have been the only thing that might have been a little different. Um, Sometimes when they were going back and forth between when they were sh- shape shifting, maybe the art wasn't as 100% consistent then. But I thought for the most part the art was pretty good. Now Durlins, when you get to the end, the, the final page, do you think that's their natural state? I'm guessing. I'm. I think we're supposed to take that. Assume that yes. I mean that's what that would be my assumption based on the way they were kind of drawing it. Kind of weird though. Yeah, that's not what I remember Derlin's looking like. 
Welcome to the new 52, chat. <laughs> yeah. So, I wonder if this is where we get the myth of Cthulhu. <laughs> Look at that thing. It I know. Like it looks like something, but I'm, but I'm, it's not like the bell isn't going off or what it reminds me of, but it looks – all those little tentacle things just reminds me of something. I don't know. Probably some hentai you watched in the past. <laughs> maybe. Uh, maybe not. <laughs> now, Oops. you know, there's, there's not a whole lot to say about this issue, really. I mean, I like that they're – that uh, Fatality and John aren't just kind of going into a relationship just because they slept together. You know, John has got his own hang-ups. Um, so I guess, you know, I guess from a logical standpoint, that makes sense. But the, the only thing I kind of want to talk about, uh, specifically is the interaction with Salak and the rest of the core. This is a core that's gone through so much shit, including how Jordan becoming parallax and now is the leader of the entire green lantern Corps. Why do, why are there always pockets of lanterns that just freak out? And can't, you know, see past anything. I would say, I would say the problem with Salak is he's essentially, you know, the Guardians. If he's either, the, you know, depending how you look at it, he's either like their chief of staff or he's their aide de camp. So the reality is, I think, I think, in a way, even though he is being too hard on himself, I think. His assessment is somewhat accurate that of all of all the lanterns, you know, he should have probably been able to see what was kind of going on, or that the fact that the guardians were kind of unhinged. It may, along the same way that Hal wants the way he taught Kyle into sticking with the Templar guardians, but the fact that he had faith that Kyle would, if in a similar position, would be able to pick up on these, you know, these problems if they happen again. So I think a lot of people are looking at Salak and going, "Well, you work you worked with the guardians for so long." in you know many different times that you should have been able to pick up on the fact that they were going kind of going off the deep end and it, and it also it reminds me of in the beginning of new guardians when they brought Kyle to you know to Oa because they wanted to figure out you know why all these you know why all these rings were coming to him or whatever and you know Salak was just so he was just taking the company line so much you know he was I'm I'm sick of this you know the these disobedient lanterns or however he phrase it and I think those are the things that are kind of eating at Salak and I think it kind of makes him an easy target when he doesn't really want to fight back too yeah I guess that makes sense yeah I don't know I just I don't I just don't buy it now does he resign as just as protocol just as protocol because yeah. you know he's in these other issues but I was thinking the whole time in the other issues like isn't he supposed to be leaving sometime soon? Well, in theory, I guess he could still be thinking about, you know, handing in his full resignation or or deciding that that's what he wants. That he's that after. But I think they they talk they talk him into enough of where he he's at least going to uh, consider staying around. And in, in the meantime, I guess the compromise is just that he's going to give up being protocol officer. Mm-hmm. Now, is there is there anything in particular you wanted to talk about in this issue? Because um, I feel like we're kind of rushing through this, and I and it's not it's not that you know because I'm sick or anything. Honestly, guys, like I I don't know what to talk about in this issue. It's just it just seems like a whole lot of setup. I don't. I mean, honestly, I don't think we are. I mean, 
I guess we could I mean we could break down bits and pieces a little bit more I suppose but much like and I guess maybe these three issues in a way kind of book in the Green Lantern 21 through 23 that there is a lot of setup and there is not and there's not that there's not a lot of meat you know to on the bones here when it comes to you know each issue onto itself maybe you know the connecting dots and that makes it you know it's more to talk about if you at the end of all three issues or when the story arc ends, but I don't think we're, we're, you know, we're shortchanging it. It's just that, you know, we kind of went through the review and I think we've, for the most, and we've dealt with the, and at least as far as, you know, issue by issue, this is kind of, that was, those were kind of the the relevant points. The only thing I would say, and I, and this kind of threw me off a little too, when I first read it, uh, Van Jensen's actually the writer. It's just co-plotted. It's co-plotted with Venditti. If you look, Chang is the artist. Van Jensen wrote the script. It's just all these issues are co-plotted by Robert Venditti, so they both get. I get so I guess two writers get credit on the cover. And Venditti is uh, writing Green Lantern, right? Yes, so that's why he's uh, so he's caught tech, either. I guess basically he's co-writing, or at least coming, or at least putting them, putting them on the right path, connective tissue-wise, you know, for the two issues. So I assume Van Jensen pretty much wrote the wrote most of it with, you know, kind of like guidance from, uh, which is kind of right. interesting when you get to the second issue because Van Jensen, Van Jensen is on top, but actually if they, they, their, their relationship based, at least on, based on the way it's described in the, on the, the, uh, like the title page, or whatever, or the issue, it pretty much is the same relationship. It's just maybe, so maybe Van Diddy actually did more writing. Maybe we can assume based on that point that maybe Van Diddy actually did a little more writing. In for Green Lantern 21 than he did for Green Lantern 22. I won't. I won't make a joke about what you said a second ago. Which one? Something about Vendetti being on top or something. <laughs> Van Jensen on top. What these two do in their private life is none of our business. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh my. <laughs> yeah. There you go. James throwing in oh my. <laughs> um, right after. Right after he says on top. <laughs> Uh, uh, I'm not trying to be offensive to anybody, by the way. I'm just... <laughs> He's just Chad. It comes naturally. <laughs> well, no. The guys the guys would never let me get away with anything, so I'm not letting you get away with anything. <clears throat> and I expect I expect you to do the same. Okay. <laughs> and, by, and, and by the way, um, the fourth to last panel, he did not see our true faces. No one ever has. Oh, okay. So I guess they kind of like took a backdoor out of, you know, these aren't the Durlins that we're familiar with. The, and the Durlins, I know them from Legion of Superheroes, right? Which Durlin is a, is it, is it, um, what's his name? You're barking up the wrong tree looking for me to help you with something related to Legion of Superheroes. That's just not my thing. <laughs> There's a Durlin in the Legion of Superheroes. I know it's like, uh, Changeling? No, it's not Changeling. It's Marvel, right? Yes, I believe uh, that's correct. Durlin, Legion. I know this is riveting podcasting, people. The joys of the internet, trying to find all the information that you need. Yeah, and my internet runs so slow. Um, da, 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 da. He's just giving me a history of the Durlins. An oh, Camp. Chameleon Boy. Oh, okay. That's who it is. Chameleon Boy. I don't know why I didn't think of that. Yeah. Uh, so, Chameleon Boy, that's his name. 
kind of creepy that uh, Chameleon Boy looks like this underneath. But <laughs> and I believe Chameleon Boy back in the past was the one who had uh, a pet named Prody that uh, used to like uh, shape change into stuff. Basically, and this is a total tangent, but I like there's a podcast out there called Super Future Friends that uh, never updates. Um, but they had they had a good run there for a little bit before they kind of faded away. Actually, the last episode they did was a birthday present to me because I wrote them an email like it would be so cool to hear another episode from you guys for my birthday. And they did that. And it's these two girls who are hilarious. Um, if you guys want to listen, and I seriously suggest you do, um, there's an episode out there where they covered um, oh, what it was it the uh, the first appearance of the Legion of Substitute Heroes, and that's probably the funniest episode of a podcast. I've ever heard ever and it's hilarious um but I every time I think of Prody it's basically Prody is a the way he's like the way they write Prody uh as a as a character he's not really a character he's just this pet that hangs around with Chameleon Boy basically basically Chameleon Boy found this cool shape-changing little creature on a planet and was like I'm gonna make it my pet and it's like it's very clear in the preceding issues that this is a sentient being <laughs> that Cam just sort of <laughs> grabbed and was like, it's my pet now. <laughs> and you just, you laugh. Oh, I'm sorry. No, nobody cares about the Legion of Superheroes, I'm guessing. Well, you don't. <laughs> Some people do. <laughs> Some people do. The book always seems to get canceled one way, <laughs> in one way, shape, or form. But, but much, yeah. much, much like Man-Thing and the New Gods, there are people out there who, who are fans. Um... I, honestly, I've never read a Legion of Superheroes book consistently, but I do have my favorite Legion of Superheroes. Like, um, I think Dawnstar, Dream Girl, and Shadow Lass are awesome, and it doesn't hurt that they're hot. Um, but yeah, so yeah, uh, the so I, being someone who's never read Legion consistently, anyways, it's I still love this podcast because. <laughs> they these girls don't let anything slide by them like if they see it they will make fun of it and it's hilarious uh when i first heard that legion of superheroes episode and i know i'm off on a total tangent but I, I'm, I'm probably gonna listen to that tomorrow just to make myself feel better when i first heard that episode i was crying i was laughing so hard basically the first appearance of the legion of superheroes they commit genocide that's like getting off to a good start. Yeah, it's it's hilarious, uh, and I and I know me saying it's hilarious about genocide is probably horrid, <laughs> but just listen to it. Uh, Super Future Friends, find the first appearance of the Legion of Superheroes episode. Do it; it's hilarious. If you listen to only one episode from them, just do it and tell me it's not hilarious. <laughs> uh, anyways, that was a total uh, Legion of Superheroes tangent, but whatever. Um. Anything else you want to talk about in this issue? No, I think I think we pretty much did what we need to do with this issue. <laughs> um, that quick, quick, the very last panel, that thing that the Durlins are wearing, since their bodies seem to be comprised mostly of tentacles, do you think that is like actual clothing, or do you think that provides functionality like holding all their tentacles in a form that allows them to maintain, you know, arms, legs, and walk around and stuff like that? It's a good question. 
For some reason, I would guess it's just it's clothing since it just kind of looks like a cloak more than anything. Mm-hmm. But who? I guess we'll. Well, I was gonna say I guess we'll find out, but who the hell really knows? <laughs> right. All right. So moving on to uh, issue twenty-two, Mark. All right. Up. Let's let's see what I can do with this baby. Uh, <laughs> so the the co- the cover of number twenty-two has John Stewart l- looking like he just got speared with fatality. Or by fatalities, and the spear is going right through his chest. The title is Fatal Wounds. It is written by, script by Van Jensen, co-plotted by Venditti, art, art by Bernard Chang. So issue 22 begins on Zamoran, and they're, the Zamoran are saying their, their oath, and they're trying to recharge a sapphire ring, which is kind of interesting because it seems like they're just holding it in their hand. Um, and not wearing it. But for some reason, they are unable to recharge the ring. The light it starts fading in their central power battery. They're kind of confused. There's No one's attacking it. There's n- So they have no real... Nothing that you would think would, could be a cause. An, a typical cause of a battery drain can be found. And they're all... They come to the conclusion that this hasn't... The, they know this hasn't happened before. And the reason that it ha- is happening now is because the Predator has been out of the battery for so long. And... And without the Predator, the Star Sapphires will be destroyed. We switch to Oa, where Jon Stewart arrives, and by the time he gets there, the whole battle with Laura Fleas is pretty much over with. And he's dealing with Sora, who is dealing... He deals with Sora, who is handling the injured and the wounded and the shocked, and a lot of the new recruits, too. And we see the one of the new recruits we saw in the last issue, um, Marrow who is, was from the planet in which uh, Chad mentioned that all they do is debate. They debate from Rune. All they do is debate. That's what their, That's basically what their gift is. That's, that's the only thing they seem to be good at. And unfortunately, Marrow over here seems to be a mute, so John kind of makes a comment about that, which some kind of snide comment, which Sora kind of takes. Uh, she thought that was a little harsh. Then we find a few more of the recruits that we saw in uh, Green Lantern Corps 21. We see Jeruk and we see Feska. They are trying to rebuild and support a part of the structure that's crumbling, and they're really unable to do it, and John kind of doesn't seem to have a whole lot of patience for them or what they're doing, so he, so he tries to give them – so he basically he uses his ring to, to fix the structure and reinforce it. He gives them the quick lesson about how – about how you know the rings are they run on willpower how they can create whatever you can imagine as long as you use your brains and and also that uh the first rule <laughs> as far as John was concerned is that you can't save the universe if you're too busy fighting and killing each other so John's obviously upset over something and Sora kind of has noted this John kind of walks off and goes to deal with Salak because he needs to find he wants to mention the rings not working and that's when he gets a crash course on the new status quo on Oa that Salak's no longer the protocol officer Kilowog is that Hal is running the core and John does take the opportunity though to to make sure that Salak realizes that the rings failed him off Oa too which is news to Salak because this is the first time apparently that Anybody became aware that this was a 
universal issue with the Green Lantern rings. Up to this point, they thought it was just isolated on Oa. So Salak is just this really freaks Salak out, and he kind of makes the comment about we cannot the trust we cannot trust the Guardians. We cannot trust anything they touched, which is kind of an interesting point that I'll, when we talk when we kind of analyze the issue, I'll go back to because much like Chad and I just talked about Salak in the first issue of this of these three. So then John shows up and sees Kilowog, and he kind of gives them a a rehashing of what happened on Kosh. Um, John kind of explains, well, you know, we how the rings failed, and we couldn't really go after them, and Kilowog again reiterates the fact that this happened to them too. An earthquake, while they're talking, an alert happens that indicates that an earthquake has struck Nellowell 3, and Kilowog pretty much is assigning John to take some new recruits to go deal with that. John kind of doesn't really want to do it. He's got, you know, he, it's not, he doesn't, you know, really not seems to be a high priority for him. He wants to go back and take care of business. And he said, why can't Guy do it? And that's when Kilowog informs him that Guy's left the core. And that kind of throws – John's kind of confused by that. He figured John, he at least would have – he at least would have said goodbye. And there's a little interesting exchange between the two of them. How – first, first hint that John's questioning Hal's leadership – when Kilowog mentions that Hal's the one who told him that guy left, not that guy told Kilowog himself. And he goes, you heard it from Hal? And he goes, yeah, I heard it from Hal. I just, you know, he, he's running the show. I just follow orders. And, he, and John makes a comment, well, it's, we used to do that with the Guardians, didn't we? So I thought that was kind of interesting. Now we cut to Space Sector 637, third moon above the planet Chiorg. And Fatality has tracked the Durlins down, and she's hiding, watching them talk amongst themselves and, and, and plotting that seemingly the Durlins are about to, to establish the second age of their empire now that the Guardians are dead and the core is in disarray. While she's watching them, apparently John shows back up and goes, hey, babe. And they chit-chat amongst themselves real quick, and John makes a comment, with shapeshifters, they could be right under our noses, and we wouldn't even know about it. And just at that moment, Fatality spears John Stewart straight through the chest. We cut now. We cut, and it's a little confusing because now we see John Stewart still alive with 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 the recruits that we saw from last issue, and they approach Nellowell Three. As they approach Nellowell Three, of course, and they get there, their rings start their their rings start failing quickly after they get there to start fixing and stabilizing the planet. And the they start falling, they start falling to the ground. Their rings are still mis, they're still functioning, or I should say, they're still malfunctioning. But again, John conveniently enough has enough juice to make sure they all land safely. Once they land, they kind of get a rude awakening to find out that all of a sudden the Kund are there, and they are somehow they've been declared the new or declaring themselves probably both the new protectors of of Nellowell, which now leads now that kind of throws John off, and of course now we cut back again to Fatality on on the moon of Chiorg, and we find out that it wasn't really John Stewart that she killed, it was a uh, Durlin, and the Durlins go to confront Fatality. She makes she makes the comment how she bows down to no one, and of course her ring starts to fail, and then of course she can't breathe, and they end up taking her captive. We cut back to Nellowell 3, 
Without their rings, John and the other recruits start fighting the Kund. John kind of earns brownie points by the way he's able to fight. And this is the point where we see the Larflees looking alien, Ergon, who kind of falls behind, especially without any power in his ring. And he just tells him, well, I, I can't keep pace. Leave me behind. It's, it's my people's custom. And John just picks him up and runs. And lesson number four, rookie, never leave a lantern behind. So the Kun chase the recruits. They, the battle continues, yada, yada, yada. Their rings are still powerless. John and, John and the recruits end up being captured. And now we... And now we shift to kind of the kind of the, the weirdest, but kind of most <laughs> kind of the funniest part too of, of the issue. Space sector 1419, the planet Bees Ziv, where you have two two insect-looking aliens with the all too sexy talk of "I can't wait to fill your thorax with larvae. I want my lava in you." And it's like I, I can't wait to devour your head to feed our young. And now we and then we see the predators watching all this because the predator is desperate to get some love. So he can recharge and, and feel and 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 feel his need to his hunger. And then we hear someone talking to the predator. You can consume their love, predator, but it will not give you strength. And then you, we realize it's like the white entity, the entity of life, talking t to the predator. And he goes, "We we are dying, sister. We must gather the others, and then we must seek out the white lantern." And then the white entity flies off with the predator behind her, him, her, it, whatever. <laughs> and that ends the issue. <laughs> so are you sure you don't want to give like a dramatic like <laughs> a, a dramatic reading of that little exchange i mean i know you read it but i don't know it just felt apropos a little <laughs> <laughs> oh awesome it was I like how it was a funny page though <laughs> I, I like how predators like a peeping tongue yeah it's like give it to me give it to me do it do it it's <laughs> oh, funny um Ugh. i don't where do you want to start I don't know where you, wherever you want to start. You 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 jump into it, and then I'll go back to some points if 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 they're di they tend to be different. Um, there was a hint that this was not John uh, before before he. Well, I mean, the first panel you see him is when he says, "Hey, babe." Right. Um. So that that was a hint, obviously. Right. But if you look at it at the art, he's not wearing. He, he doesn't have a an aura. Well, that's true. That is true. When uh, when Fatality loses her aura later on, she starts gasping for air because she doesn't have have the protective aura, but uh, John doesn't. So that was a that was a hint. Well, well, yeah, I, I guess actually you're right. Based on where they where they are located, you were correct that he would need he would need excuse me he would need the aura around him in order to be uh, breathing. So yes, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, um, and then the very next page when they're traveling through, um, traveling through the whatever that is, uh, subspace tunnel. Uh, we travel through subspace tunnels that allow us to go faster than light. Do you think they took that from the animated series, or has that always been there? I mean, I'm a big Lantern fan, but I, I don't remember. I mean, I know they had like the, um, the the way they could travel where they could just kind of pop out in space somewhere they didn't really teleport they just kind of showed right. up but i don't think we've ever actually seen the subspace tunnels have you have i don't i can't this? remember that they've, that they've referred to them as such i think so you might you may be correct about that i don't re, i don't off the top of my head i don't remember them 
describing it as such. I think it's kind of one of those things where, you know, you, you just know they do it and you don't really ask why one of those deals. But it, I guess it's a good opportunity to explain. And I did kind of leave out uh, the, in, the all the questions that they're asking John at that point, which is kind of interesting, especially because yeah. John ends up answering them all. <laughs> yeah. Um, and just so people are trying to that allow why would they have subspace tunnels because i know some people might ask ask that scientifically speaking at the speed of light mass is infinite um that's uh, something that uh, einstein i believe was talking about and one of his uh you know one of the great many things he contributed to the world of science basically at the speed of light mass is infinite and there's no way a being should be able to withstand that uh, that type of travel, which is why they would have to use something uh, in substitution of that, like a quote subspace tunnel. Uh, I know it's a comic book, but it's it's kind of cool that they're keeping with that. You know, the lanterns can't go faster than the speed of light because it's impossible <laughs> for a being to do that. So that's cool. Hmm. Um. You want to deal? You want to go back and deal with Salak? You want to pick up some pick? pick go to something else? Uh, wherever, wherever you want to go with this. Um, uh, go ahead. The first page where you said they were charging a ring. Yeah. I think what that is is their way. You know how we have uh, the the guardians have the uh, the rings created and then in the stasis field and then they leave them to go. It's kind of like an automated process. Also, yes, yeah, so it's probably the creation of a new ring. Yeah, it's probably the creation of a new ring with the way love is. Maybe they take the time to, you know, imbue each new one with power. You know, because the their power is love. So maybe their their way of charging up a new ring and sending it out to a, to the universe is very ritualistic. So. I think that might be. That. I mean, they they say nothing to to indicate that, but it kind of feels like th that's what it is. And it would make and it would make sense because of the fact that the way they're holding it too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Because it's not like they're having a massive recharging of. I mean, of the Zamorans aren't all hol holding rings that they're not wearing anyway. It looks like, but they're not all like everybody's not putting rings to the face of the battery to do, to do a massive recharge like the Green Lanterns have done over and over again. So that's probably correct. It's probably the it's probably the christening of a new ring about to be sent out to find a new sapphire, and that's when they realize that they can't get a charge on it, and then, of course, the ring itself starts crumbling. Right. What did you think of John being kind of a douchebag? Do, do you think he's being a douchebag, or do you think, like... He's got some stuff on his mind. He's a he's a marine. He's surrounded by a bunch of new recruits. You know, he kind of you know when he comes into a, a messy situation, he kind of assesses and uh, and takes charge. Do you think do you think he's doing that, or do you think he is being a little bit of a douche? Probably the honest answer is it's probably kind of like somewhere in between. I mean, the the comment. The comment that he made about what's his, about what's his face here, Maro. Um, I thought that that was kind of that was kind of rude. I mean, I, I, that's kind of kind of a little uncalled for. It's like the only thing they're good at, and 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 we get one that can't even speak. I mean, that that seemed that seemed a little to me maybe a little out of character for for John. Yeah. And you could I mean you could chalk up a lot of the other things like when he's when he's dealing when he's 
explaining, you know, how how they use the ring, and you know, he's but Jaruk and everything else is just that could just be almost like a tough love kind of thing, and just being the drill sergeant kind of thing, dealing with with new recruits. But I think for the most part, we're supposed to take from it that he that he's got a lot of stuff on his mind. I don't necessarily know if he, he really ha- should have enough stuff in his mind that makes him treat everybody that way. It does seem a little out of character for John. Um, but I mean, it, it it was it was kind of an odd way to you know if the, when you first see him on Oa, it was kind of it was kind of weird to me a little. Do you think? Uh, and obviously, I haven't read beyond this, so maybe maybe this happens for all I know in the next few issues. Um, do you think they're setting John up to be the new rookie recruit trainer for the Green Lantern Corps, taking Kilowog's place? Because the first time he interacts with these. Uh, these rookies, he not only saves their lives, but he like basically gives them a rundown, teaches them like four, three or four lessons at once. Yeah, certainly in this issue, he covers like four different points. Yeah. Yeah. They could be. I, I mean, it would make sense too. I mean, since everybody's shifting jobs here, uh, it would it would make sense. I mean, it is kind of interesting that it'll be interesting at some point if people start going back and you can actually um, throw Hal into this mix technically. That every, all these people have different jobs that they may not necessarily be best suited for, and then the question is, at some point, will everybody end up going back to the jobs that they really should have? Obviously, Salak is better at being the protocol officer. Kilowog should be the drill sergeant, and so people are out of kind of out of place. I think John can do it. I mean, it would make I mean, it would make perfect sense for John to do it, and it would also make sense based on this book that it is Green Lantern Corps. So it would make sense that you would see some of that in in this book and it also would allow you to rotate in different you know newer lanterns here or there at different times and so wasn't Stell promoted to uh the trainer i think the last time he was yes but, but so was it this, but wasn't in this was was it this wasn't this arc though right it was the last time this happened right the last time kilowog quit or whatever yeah yeah so was, whatever happened to Stell? did he just step down because i remember i remember him saying i'll keep basically like i'll keep the position warm for you till you come back but I don't. I don't know. I kind of. I kind of feel like. You know, I like. I like some of these storylines. I like what you know. They're increasing the danger, but I kind of. And this is. I guess this reading this uh, or going into this um, particular review episode. This might be a weird place to put this, as opposed to some other uh, title. But I'm kind of getting sick of the overarching stories and not just in general with comics, but with green lantern, like John guy, Hal, Kyle, two, eight, one, four recruits. Um, I'm not reading green land. Uh, I mean, uh, justice league slash justice league of America. Uh, so I have no idea what's going on with, um, uh, what's his name? Simon. Yeah. Simon. Thank you. So I have no idea what's going on with Simon. Uh, I don't know if he's protecting Earth or what's going on. Um, but it just seems like it's the Green Lantern Corps, and they've got a universe to police. There's a lot of big-time storylines to, to go around. And maybe Green Lantern Corps is the title to put this type of stuff in, the big stuff, uh, where it's just basically nonstop action because it's 7,200 lanterns. And it's an entire universe, so every issue will be people going out on missions and stuff like that. But I'm kind of missing the – and it doesn't even have to be Earth. I'm kind of missing, like, the personal stuff. 
you know, like I kind of want John to be the the trainer of the Green Lantern Corps. Put him in a steady position, and he's he's got nothing on Earth. He's got fatality, and the Guardians aren't around anymore, so it's not like they can tell her not to you know to stay off of Oa. So, I mean, I don't I don't know. Like, I'm missing some sort of I I don't know how to properly voice it, but I'm sort of I'm I'm missing what makes the Green Lanterns Green Lanterns. And I know that this is a theme throughout this entire, uh, these three issues and probably going forward, that the universe doesn't trust the Green Lantern Corps anymore or the Guardians. Yes. And I don't know if they can come back from that. You know? Um, But, I don't know. I I, I don't want to see a whole bunch of stuff of them trying to gain the universe's trust back. And I don't want to see, you know, story arc after story arc after story arc after story arc and i'm honestly even if it was story arc after story arc and they put one issue one like a one-off issue in between like basically a lot of the epilogue issues have always been right that would be kind of cool but i don't even want that anymore i'm kind of getting sick of that like give me a a two issue story arc give me a three issue story arc i'm i'm sick of the six and the sevens and the crossovers and stuff. I, I want you to build these characters without throwing them into crazy ass scenarios every five seconds. Because yeah, you're working on fatality and uh, John's relationship and you're working on Kilowog kind of settling into his new role and Salak doing whatever he's doing. But by throwing these people into crazy ass scenarios every five seconds, you can't spend any substantial amount of time working on their personal interactions. Right. I don't know. I've never written comics. I'm, I'm, I, I like to think of myself as a freelance, not freelance, but just a, a creative writer for the fun of it whenever I, when the mood strikes me. I've never written a comic. So maybe there are rules in place for comic scripting and writing that kind of, you know, if you want to sell issues, maybe you have to write a certain way. And, you know, you're working for a big company like DC. Maybe they have rules of their own that they're imposing on you. Uh, with the direction that they want their storyline to go. But it just... I don't feel connected to any of these characters anymore. Really? And it's not... It's I, I know that Jim and Dan got burned out on everything, but I'm not burned out on the comics so much as I am like... You know, who is Killer? I've, I've lost sight of who these characters are because of the way they're they're scripting these stories and the way they're handling things over the past few years. I can understand that. I think... I, I think certainly moving even moving beyond the main characters, if you look at a lot of the secondary lanterns, like you mentioned, Kill the B the B tier or B plus tier lanterns, and you include mentioned Kilowog, you can say Salak. I mean Soranik obviously at one point was pretty high, pretty high up, and she's all but di- all but disappeared lately. I do think uh, Arisia comes back, and uh, and I think the current issue of Core. Um, but I mean I don't know. It's just. I don't know. It's. I tend to agree with you. John. I mean, I like John Stewart, but John Stewart just doesn't really do it for me. So having him be the lead in this book, and have a, and especially if he's going to be the lead in this book, and he's going to be paired off just with new recruits all the time, that he's not going to. Even I think maybe they're trying to work around it by giving us fatality, even though I don't know. That's not going to satisfy you know the, the need for a partner to, in a lot of people's minds. Certainly, the people who are burned out on all the intercore storylines um 
but maybe that's what they're attempting to do to give him a, that's going to be his partner. But I don't know. I, don't, I just, I act like, I think a lot of the things that were interesting, even in this issue were some of the, the, the interaction on Oa. I liked the stuff with Salak. I'm, I'm interested in the stuff in Salak because he seems, he seemed to legitimately have post-traumatic stress and it, and it's kind of being handled in it, I think in a more interesting, a more realistic way than what happened in war of the green lanterns where we kind of got that little two second, ha- you know, half-ass analysis that, Oh, the entire core is suffering from post-traumatic stress. This seems like something that's really deep seated in Salak now that he's just so paranoid about, you know, what, what, what are the guardians still going to do to the core? The guardians are gone. But I still don't trust them. They still they still must have other things up their sleeve, which is why he's working, which is why he's examining the you know the more the the manhunters down there, or the body of a manhunt manhunter, and he just makes that comment about oh it seems fully de- de- you know depowered, but hmm, you know, and just the fact that now that he finds out that the ring the 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 failure of the ring is kind of like systemic. That that just freaks him out even more because it's like, oh my god, we just can't trust anything that the guardians basically have touched. That I yeah. like that point, and and I just like I, I so I think that that's interesting. It's gonna so I I find I find that really interesting, and I do think you're right. I don't think we need to. They've kind of established now that the you know that, that the universe doesn't trust Green Lanterns. I mean that's kind of being spread across the different books. Even the comment when when they on Nellowell three about you know when the when they fail to support the dam, when you know when the rings run dry, or when they have the the mal- malfunction, and they make the comment, the, "Run, the dam is giving way. The lanterns have failed again." <laughs> so it's just that they you know they have such a bad rep right now. And, and you're correct. It's, we don't need we don't need like a whole redemption thing. I mean, we don't. It's not going to be like every issue is going to be a. We have to we have to redeem ourselves. It's kind of like you just do your you do you, they have to do their thing, and if and at some point, you would like to think that the universe will see them like the way they did, and that's that's about the best you could do. You can't just go out of your way to save extra kittens out of trees all the time just because, you know, if not, you're afraid they're going to distrust you even more. Right. And what you're saying about throwing John in as the main character in this book for the most part, John is one of the more popular lanterns, no doubt, but... I wonder if he's not suffering from sort of the same thing that Hal either currently is with most people or at the very least used to with a lot of people. Remember one of the um, main complaints about Hal was he was very one-dimensional? Right. I wonder if John has been living off of his popularity. I mean I'm talking character-wise. I'm not talking the personality of this individual whatever – I'm talking about the history of the character in comics. I'm wondering if he's been living lately more off of his popularity and fame as a as a as a Green Lantern than so and has become that lantern that is is one is becoming quickly quickly becoming one dimensional. I mean, because through a lot of this issue, he seems to be the take charge Marine. And I don't know if he's ever been anything but the take charge Marine. Since since they introduced that that concept, so I don't. Hmm. I'm I'm not saying that John is one dimensional. I personally don't think he is that much. I mean, but then again, you're talking to somebody who has read 
multiple times the first appearance of Jon Stewart and in the Green Lantern Green Arrow series and you know saw the you know the angry young out of black uh, out of work black architect you know he had a lot of layers to the to him um, so maybe I'm carrying over some of that but I, I I think I'd be remiss if I didn't bring it up I'm wondering if people if John is suffering from being a little one-dimensional now and if he is, is it really wise to throw him into a bunch of situations where it's, you know, like this, you know, just crazy nonstop action back to back to back to back to back, and we never get any personal character development? I mean, I know that they've got the whole kind of storyline going with Fatality, but is that enough? I guess we're going to have to wait and see on that sucker. I don't know. It's a good it's tough. I mean, I don't think John's one-dimensional either, but there's something about when, whenever he's been the lead character, like in, it's a, it's. I think that's why my first reaction to these, not, I mean, not coming in, but that was one of the reasons I think when I went through these for issues the first time, that they just kind of didn't make any impression on me at all. I mean, I remembered bits, and I, I remember most everything that happened in them. So when I reread them this week, it didn't. It's not like, I, oh, I completely forgot that. But the stuff that kind of struck me was most of the stuff that still struck me, the stuff on Oa, you know, the, the stuff with the entities, things like that. So, and one thing that I'm kind of curious, if you have any thoughts on it, we can wait to throw this, to, if, you want, if you want to discuss it at all, we can wait till after you do 23, which is, now that we've seen the first couple of issues and we see how prominent Jon Stewart is in this book, and there's no, and that seems to be the path going forward. Do you really think they ever? Do you really think that room, that's rumor or the was true that they were really going to kill John Stewart off, and that's why? Uh, what's his face? So I'm drawing a blank now. <laughs> um, the previous creator. Left yeah, the one who I actually made sure I made a. Oh, uh, I just had it on the tip of my tongue again. Um, I'll find it in a second in my head. Uh, the reason why he supposedly left the book. Was because they were gonna make they, they were gonna make him kill John John Stewart. Um, I think it was true, but only because of the way DC has been acting. Um, I love DC Comics characters like basically this entire five foot glass display case here is filled with DC related stuff. The only Marvel stuff is. A Gambit action figure, a Thor action figure, and a Gambit-led Eagle Moss uh, figure. Everything else in here, in this glass display case, is DC-related. Every sketch I've usually... I mean, not every sketch, but most sketches I've, already, I've gotten are DC-related. Most comics I decide to frame are DC-related. Anytime I try and put up a poster or a framed piece of art, it's usually DC-related. I... Bottom line being, I love DC Comics. I love their characters. I love their universe. I'm, you know, trying to get into Marvel a little bit because of the way DC's been doing things lately. But I have to be completely honest. And you know, I know that we're a, you know, Green Lantern podcast, and it's possible someone from DC might hear this. And I don't want to upset anybody, but I'm just being honest. There's that website, theouthouse.com. And they have this, has DC done something stupid today counter? And while I'm sure some of those little articles can be uh, maybe a bit of a stretch, or maybe um, maybe some, some of them aren't even true, maybe it was just based on rumor, I don't know. 
but there is so much stuff on that has DC done something stupid that at least 25% of it has to be true. And if 25% of it is true, then DC is, is, is not making smart decisions. Basically when the, um, when the, uh, economic crisis happened and, you know, people were losing jobs and all this stuff happened, uh, and, you know, the, the governments had to do bailouts and, and all this stuff. I was working for Garden Ridge at the time. And the way that they were handling their um, their policies on, like, uh, insurance and stuff like that. And, uh, and basically everything changed. At least, it, it was like at least every two or three weeks you'd get called into the office's group at some point early in the morning before customers came in so they could tell you, oh, by the way, this has changed and this has changed. They, they, they kept changing policies and procedures so much that it was eventually hard on you and a detriment. And basically every employer took on the you're lucky to have a job kind of mentality. And even then I was thinking to myself – they should not have the you're lucky to have a job mentality because if and when the economy comes back, people are going to remember how their employer treated them and say, fuck you, I'm out of here. I think DC is kind of putting itself in that same type of position, not like, you know, fact for facts, everything is 100% even there. But I think they're kind of in the same type of position where DC is one of the, is is one of the big games in town as far as comics are concerned. And working for DC is like getting a, you're a band and you're getting an, a, a full, a full page, uh, a, a several page feature article in Rolling Stone. Like it's getting your name out there hugely. But, and I'm not, I kind of lost where I was going with this, but, Something is happening in the mentality of DC and the way they're treating their creators and the way they're so um, hyper-focused on them controlling the way in which their universe goes and the directions of the stories. I mean, for Christ's sakes, uh, George Perez decided not to work for DC and Marvel anymore because they weren't allowing creative storytelling anymore. It was all editorial driven. And he was like, that's not the stuff that makes good comics. I'm going to exclusive to boom. That's George Perez, who at one point, his name was synonymous with DC comics. If someone like that is leaving, I mean, something is wrong. So I, long story short, when you say, were they going to kill off John? I don't doubt it because it would, it would just track with everything they've been doing lately. But though we have to be careful just because I mean, it's like, it's like with everything else, just because something has happened in the past doesn't mean every time somebody says, Oh, this happened. It, mean, it doesn't mean that it, it happened again or it happened this time. It's like, uh, it's like sexual harassment. We know sexual harassment happens. It doesn't mean every time somebody says that it happened, that it did. So, I mean, Joshua Fialkov, that's the that's the guy who I zoned out about. And I didn't even have to Google it. It just popped back into my head for some reason I couldn't re- – I even did, we even did a skit about it, <laughs> I think, in the in the April Fool show. And I – so I'm embarrassed I forgot his name, so I apologize. Uh, I don't know. Just something about it just – and I don't want – I know we don't want to spend too much time on it because we have one more issue we have to go through. But 
Just something about it isn't – I'm not entirely sure if I believe that was the case just because – I mean because John is just so – so you know his, his influence and his appearance is just so prevalent in these issues and going forward. It seems – especially if you're to believe – and we know that actually this part we know is true because we already we already knew before Fialkov left. We knew that they, we had seen pictures that Guy was going red. Mm-hmm. So we know Guy was going to be out of this book and Guy was going to – so they were going to need somebody to be the, the, the star of this book. If it wasn't going to be John, who was it going to be? Right. So, I mean, I don't entire – I mean, there may have been – and I could be completely wrong. So I just have a feeling that may, maybe – I don't know. I don't know. I just don't really think that DC was – Really wanted to kill John John Stewart off. I mean, because I think if they really did, then John Stewart would probably be dead. Mm-hmm. Um, unless it was a long term thing, unless they unless they had every intention of John Stewart being in charge of this and maybe dying in Lights Out or something else. But maybe that I could see more of. But I don't think that the idea was oh they wanted to kill him off right in the beginning, you know, of, of him getting of, of of this book and then because who the hell would they put in charge of it? I mean, really, unless they. I mean, it doesn't seem to make a lot of unless they were going to stick Simon over here. Now that he pretty much has nothing left to do, and since Johns is, you know, dropping his books left and right, that maybe they maybe they thought, you know, they'd just replace him with Simon Baz or something. I but I just figured I'd throw that out because when I was rereading this these issues this week, that's one of the things that popped into my head. It's like I just have a hard time believing they actually really. It was like a DC mandate of like you have to kill this guy, and that's what you know. I just. I, and again, I could be completely wrong, but something about yeah. Um, the stuff and moving on because I went on a tangent, guys. Sorry about that. But uh, the stuff with the co- the cooned, yeah, Kun, whatever. By cooned, probably. Uh, I have no interest in that. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, and, and it's not like you know, bad choice because like, hey, Durlins, Kun, Kun, whatever. Um. There are other alien races that have prominence in the DC universe, and if you're going to stick them somewhere, Green Lantern Corps is probably the best place to stick them. So it makes sense, and it's probably a good decision. But personally, I just have no interest in it. And it's not because you know it's being told badly or something. It's just I personally have no interest. So I think the only interesting thing about it is just the fact that people are so disgruntled with the Green Lantern Corps that they're you know they're bringing they're bringing in any any Every dregs of the universe to be their protectors because they need a protector and they and they have no faith in the core's ability to do it. Right, that's true. Uh, and then the last page, we didn't talk too much about that. I mean, there's not a whole lot there, but I mean, there's a, there's there's a lot. There's not a lot on the page, but yeah, but in the bigger picture, you there's yeah, there's there's a there's a lot going on there. <laughs> so the entities are dying. Um. And. Well, I'll save that. I'll save that criticism till later because they show up later on. Uh, spoilers. Um, okay, yeah, I, I guess we can. I guess we can move on. Is there anything else you wanted to talk about for this issue? I don't think so. Okay. All right. Let me pull up my issue twenty-three. <clears throat> uh, so issue twenty-three, he can't save them all. We open up uh, back on Nowell three. With uh, Kun, uh, Kun, you know, taking all the um, the lanterns prisoner. Someone voicemail. Seven eight lantern. Kun, Kun, what? Um, someone out there has to know the pronunciation of things and be super into all that kind of stuff. So you tell me. 
Uh, until then, I'm just going to keep possibly mispronouncing it or saying both. Um, so they have the lanterns um, captive. The rings are in kind of like a stasis jar. They're throwing up. I mean, th these are people with high-tech weapons, but hey, um, they're throwing up a noose. Uh, so they're just going to hang people. Uh, they wrap up the the little guy. What was his name? Mara, right? Yeah, Maro. Uh, the little the little pink dude. Uh, and he they're going to kill him first. The um, the the lantern. Uh, what was her name? F uh, Fesca. Fesca. Fes yeah, I think Fesca. It's Fesca. She's got base. She's like basically double jointed everywhere. Uh, so she kind of sque squeezes out of her constraints, uh, notices the rings are back online. Uh, one of the kund, the kund <laughs> um, notices her going for the rings. She He wields his axe. She picks up the stasis jar. He slams his axe into the stasis jar, breaks it, uh, and uh, they start all firing on the lanterns, cut back over to Space Sector 637, the moon above the planet Shorg. Um, Fatality is kind of out of it, and the Durlins are standing around about to do something when uh, suddenly her power comes back online. They spit a bug at her. Uh, she gets cocky. The bug flies in her ear and out her nose. It's a Garian death wasp, um, and it's burrowing into her ear canal and coming out of her nose and she's bleeding and stuff we cut back to oa uh and uh, vath and Izamot are complaining about their rings and i don't know if this is out of character or not we'll get to it i'm sure uh Ilo Ilande, whatever um Talks about your stress is understandable, Vath. Without my ring, I am still royalty. Without yours, you are nothing. <laughs> um, that's, that's very diplomatic of you. Um, and then makes fun of uh, Vath's Thanagarian legs. Uh, and he said, uh, Vath says something about stupid Thanagarian legs. And Izamot's like, stupid. <laughs> I won't give you my legs next time. Uh, and then they're trying to figure out what's going on with the rings while. Uh, um, Kilowog enters. Basically, this is like the mess hall. Um, and they're like, hey, what's wrong with these uh, the rings? Let's figure it out. I guess Kilowog doesn't get to eat um, because they uh, he has to go find Salak. He finds Salak, and this kind of uh, speaks to what uh, Mark was talking about earlier. Salak's kind of torn the, the ring foundry apart, um, and he's basically a crazed lunatic right now i need the template where did they leave the template uh the template to forge our rings and one last thing oh what has you found i need to inspect it you know he's like almost like mad scientist rambling like you kind of and i guess it kind of makes sense because i bet he feels responsible for not just you know not knowing that the guardians were doing what they were doing but now feels responsible for all the deaths they cause as a result of not knowing that they were doing what they were doing um so basically, he's looking for the template of how they f uh, form the rings um, to see what's wrong with the powers. Um, he notices there's nothing wrong with the template, so there's nothing wrong with the rings. So they're like going to go inspect the central power battery back to Nellwell 3. Uh, they're like, stop fire. The coons are like, stop firing. No one can survive that. And then John's like, none except the Green Lanterns as the smoke <laughs> clears. And then... 
they go up against um, they go up against the uh, the coon with their powers fully back online. Um, uh, Maro uses a construct to basically black canary the hell out of them. Um, John stops uh, Druck Druck I guess from killing some of them. Um, he says, we've acted like bad guys for so long, it's no wonder the universe has forgotten we're heroes. We don't kill, not on my watch. Uh, turned around and basically a whole armada of Kund warriors and ships are behind him, so they, John grabs them and runs. Cut back to, quote, somewhere. And um, uh, Fatality's naked, for some reason, because I guess they had they can't strap her down if she's if she's uh not naked <laughs> they only wanted to get her ring so i have no i know i have no idea why they would have to take all of her clothes off for that um but okay um her power comes back online she says tether uh, to john stewart suddenly shows up uh at, at john uh next to john as they're approaching oa she's sick and hurt uh, uh sora takes care of her in the infirmary uh, John goes to find, uh, has to go find Kilowog. Uh, Kilowog and Salak are at the central power battery, and the, you know it seems to be running uh, efficiently. Kilowog drops some knowledge that you know some people have probably forgotten by now, but Kilowog was a scientist. He has no idea what their run, the the power runs on, uh, the battery's mechanics. What exactly is the power? Particles, way a wave, you know that kind of a thing. Uh, we know it's willpower, but uh, what are the mechanics of the battery holding in the willpower and channeling it and that whole thing? John comes up, talks about the Kund, what's wrong with the battery. Suddenly, Ion comes bursting out saying, help me. And they're like, how can he be sick? And uh, that's when uh, the entities show up and say, he's dying. We all are. Uh, and I'm just going to read here. Ion, what you feel is your life force fading. Come with us. Wait, where are you taking Ion? Home. It is time to die. Next, in three weeks, learn the origin of Relic. Uh, and then in October, check out GL24, the start of Lights Out. Um, so this is what I was going to say last issue about the entities. I don't like the way they're drawn. I know they're dying, but the art style almost does a 180 when it comes to the entities. Does that make any sense to you? I know what you mean, yes. I think he draws the white in I think the white entity is okay. I think the way the white entity has been drawn is okay, especially if you look at it that they're all sick, they're all emaciated, they're all wounded, they're falling apart and I think that kind of, I yeah, I don't think Ion look I don't like the the texture of Ion. Mm-hmm. Um the the predator wasn't so bad. Um but um and you really don't get a good look at Ophidian and uh yeah. Yeah. And and it's important to say, um, when the entity comes in, he's not only got the predator in tow with him, he's got squishy. Um, <laughs> and th- this is I'm gonna take the time to do this because I never I, I was going to send in a voicemail a long time ago, but I never did. When quote squishy made his first appearance, um, when in that splash with Sinestro, I yes. remember the guys saying, "Prosolite." It is proselyte. That is how you say that word, proselyte. <laughs> it's I was gonna like somehow rip the recorded um, 
pronunciation from dictionary.com and send it in to the guys when they first did it, but I somehow never got around to it. It's not prosolite. It is proselyte, or as Dan likes to call him, squishy. Uh, so when the entity shows up, he's got predator, ophidian, now he's got ion, and he's got squishy slash proselyte in tow. Um, it was issue two of New Guardians that um, uh, Adara flew screaming from the battery, right? Yes. Issue yeah, twenty issue twenty two. So no, 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 wait, no. It was it was it was still it was twenty three because that was that was when the blue lanterns got wiped out. It was twenty three. Because hmm. I was kind of confused as why Adara wasn't with him. I'm but now, if she... but, but yeah, based on the, um, yeah, you you were correct in the fact that Green Lantern Core twenty three would have come out after after New Guardians, but but maybe I guess maybe the logic is I guess. We would just assume that since Adara was flying off on her own to kind of meet up with them, the White Entity didn't really come to find her, so maybe she's they haven't intersected yet. Right. Now, I'm sure we'll probably be getting to this later. I don't know. And I don't want to put any spoilers in this particular episode for what's to come. But wasn't it during Blackest Night that if the Entity feels pain, the entire universe feels pain? I think there was some. I think that sounds about. It sounds correct. Like every living thing in the entire universe, including plants, felt pain when Necron like tried to stab the entity. I think that is correct. I think that is correct. So if the entity of life is sick and dying, how come everyone's not feeling it? That's a good point. Probably, probably, honestly, probably another thing the new creative team probably didn't really. Didn't really read up on. Yeah, it's, I mean, it, it's. I don't know if that kind of thing should be caught by an editor. And to be perfectly honest, all of that stuff I'm and took place before the new Fifty Two, so maybe they could just throw that off as a subtle change. I guess. It's just, and the problem, that's part of the problem with, with the stuff with the new Fifty Two is that there's so many things that contradict what we've seen before, and because it's the new Fifty Two, we don't necessarily have to get a real explanation for it. Such as why the White Lantern powers for Kyle seem to be contradictory to some of the, what we've seen before with other White Lanterns. Why it's not uniformed, instead of just giving us an explanation. Sometimes, and I think with Kyle we will get an explanation. I think at some point we will understand, you know, why his powers are different. But it just seems like it's too easy a crutch just to say, oh, it's the New Fifty Two. This, you know, so the rules don't apply the same way. Yeah. Um, Morrow's one of my favorite lanterns now. Um, I liked him when I first saw him because I just like, you know, philosophers and debaters and stuff. The fact that he was mute made me like him even more. You know, when, it, when you come from a planet of people who can do own stuff but only talk and debate and be all philosophical and this guy can't even talk. He's basically just listening and forming his own opinion and stuff. That was kind of that was kind of a cool angle. He kind of reminds me of the first Lantern from... Um, Green Lantern Emerald Knights. Oh yes, yes, you're yes. He kind he kind of reminds me of that. I'm not sure why, but he kind of does. You, you know, this this quiet guy you'd never expect to have a ring. People didn't think should have a ring, and then he's just like a badass. <laughs> it's kind of cool. Uh, I like that his construct made sound. That's yes, that cool. was good. Um, I'm wondering if like later on he'll be able to communicate 
through the ring, like um, his ability to talk. You know how like Dexter can't really talk, or he used to not being able to talk, <laughs> uh, but it's through the ring that he was able to communicate. Right. I wonder. I wonder if it'll be the same thing for like Morrow. He'll be able to communicate his thoughts through the ring. <clears throat> we get. Uh, we would get to know a whole lot more about him. That'd be cool. Um. So what 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 did you think about this issue? After rereading them, probably I think this was I think this is probably my least favorite of the three. Um, I like I did like the stuff with the with the battery. Um, one one thing about like you were describing with the batteries that the the battery was like was fully fun it was functioning the way it should it just wasn't fully powered. And that was the part that they couldn't quite figure out. It's like everything was working the way we're supposed to. It's just that it's working at a much diminished capacity power-wise. Um, I like that. I like the entities. I didn't – the stuff with the coons, yeah, it really didn't – like like you said, that didn't do much for me one way or the other. It's yeah. just basically – and it's understandable, but it's just kind of an idea just to get used to the new recruits and and to see what they're you – know, see how they use the ring and things like that. But – I think for the most part, the actual content of the issue, other than, and again, other than dealing with Salak and as he tries, you know, and as he becomes obsessed with trying to figure out everything that, you know, whatever, whatever traps the Guardians, whatever the Guardians may have made, because it, because he makes that comment that perhaps the Guardians left their final trap inside the battery. So he's still somewhat convinced at this point until he gets maybe to the end of the issue. And even then, he's probably not entirely sure that's not the case either. That he's pro- he's con- convinced that, or seemingly convinced that the Guardians probably have a hand in what's going on with the rings, not functioning the way they should, or the batteries not now not functioning the way it should. I yeah, a lot of the stuff with John and the recruits. I like the recruits. I think they're pretty. They they have potential, but I but as a story, it didn't. It's certainly not. I don't think it's memorable. I guess that's probably maybe the best way to describe it. Um. One thing of note, and again, like I said earlier, I haven't read past this, so maybe this comes into play later. Maybe it won't. Uh, when you first see Fatality, her laying down, and then the panel where it says you're certain, there's a bunch of other people strapped down to tables too. I'm not sure if that comes into play later, um, but it might be a worth of worth note. Like, why are these Durlins capturing all of these people? I'm sure. Um, I would suspect that it'll come into play. I mean, based on uh, whatever their, you know, the end game is with the Durlins and everything, I would suspect that it. Even if we don't see that, if we, even if we don't see the room again or whatever, I'm sure that we're going to get an understanding to of why they're doing it. Um, what did you think of Salix's moments in the the Foundry Alley? He just seems to be obsessed. I liked it. I mean, I kind of the one thing I've really liked about the uh, first three issues in this is Salak is because yes, he does kind of seem like he's going off the deep end. He does kind of seem like, you know, kind of kind of the characterization of like you might not see him for like an issue or two, and you come back and like you know he he hasn't showered in like five weeks, and he's got a beard down <laughs> to the ground, <laughs> and he's wearing the same he's wearing like the same T-shirt that he hasn't washed in a century. That's the kind of the, the way they're kind of making him out to be, and. And I think it and it makes sense to me. I think it kind of makes sense based on what he's gone through, 
I think it does make sense that he would have these issues and that he's and then sometimes, you, you know, the, you try to compensate for something and you swing the pendulum back too far the other way. And now he's blaming himself so much and kind of like, you know, kicking himself in the you know what, because he's, he should have seen all these signs and everything else. Now he's just like he's going to be seems like he's going to he's going to be looking for, you know, signs that the Guardians are up to something like from for a long time. And no matter where, no matter what's going on, I mean, that he's going to think that the Guardians are so have their hand in it somehow. I mean, and it's understandable based on what's happened to him that he would think that or he could think that way. But I find it interesting. It's, and it's going to be interesting to see where, you know, where it goes. Yeah. What about the stuff with fatality? Which part? The, the tether part or just her being tortured? I, no, I thought in general it was – it was okay. I mean, I like Fatality. I, like, I mean, certainly I like her a lot more than when she was a straight bad guy. Um, I, I really, it's kind of hard to really believe that she and John are gonna, you know, end up together. That it really could work out between the two of them. But I mean, it's it's interesting. Like I said, she may be, she may be the person that they're gonna, the veteran, if you will, the, the character they figure people people know that they're gonna partner John up with in between us being introduced to the new recruits and getting to know the new recruits better so it it didn't bother me you know it, I, it didn't make a huge impression one way or the other but it didn't bother me or anything I mean right. hmm trying to figure out what else like yeah the con con stuff did not care and again it has nothing to do with the way the story is being told I just I just don't care um, another out of character moment for Iolande, Iolande, like like we were talking about with John earlier. Do you think it's just because this group of lanterns are so close and she's just you know playing with them, or was that a sincere statement? Uh, when you put if you. If that one balloon was by itself, I probably would just take it as I would probably would take it that she was being rude. If you combine the two of them, I think she was probably trying to. I think maybe it was more busting chops okay. when you put them both. To, when you put both those balloons together, I think it, I I would probably read it as bust as just busting chops. But mm. if not, obviously she's being a real a real bitch and just be like, why? <laughs> yeah. Um. Some fine leadership the Corps has now that buffoon Jordan is supposed to be in charge. Where is he when we need him? <laughs> well, I like I like to comment you know, right when they end that scene about yeah the Guardians were evil, but at least they could keep at least they could keep Olaf running. <laughs> it's like at least that whole like Mussolini line or whatever. It's like at least the trains ran on time. Right? At least he kept the trains running on time. So that's <laughs> just shows you where their priorities are. It's like yeah they're evil, but at least everything on Olaf still worked. Um, yeah, I don't know if there's much else to talk about. I mean, unless you have something. It, it's, it's not that there's nothing in these issues. It's just... And it's not like the story doesn't move along. It's just... I don't know. I, I don't feel very attached to it. I don't know. I think that's I think that's a good way of putting it. I don't think... I don't think... There's that much material that's overly... That, that's 
worth remembering out of these issues. It's very forgettable, I think, overall. I mean, there's there are there are some beats in the issue that are important, but they're important because of what happens next. I mean, the stuff with the the stuff with the Zamorans and the entities and all that stuff is important because of where of where they're taking this. But as far as the majority of the content of the actual issue, while you know I did like 21 and 22 more than 23, it's you know it's and I think part of the problem is especially now that since we did we did the Green Lantern issues and we know that the Green Lantern three issues seem to be so heavy on, you know, this has to happen because this has to happen because we need this to happen. It just seemed like they were so much, you know, coincidence and everything, everything just had to, you know, it says plot point after plot point. We need, we need this to happen because this is where, you know, this is the story that we want to tell. And this is the, this is where we're going with it. I think there are some elements of that in these issues, but I think it just probably makes us a little more, you know, blase towards something that's, like this because Green because Green Lantern twenty one through twenty three was so kind of meh that it's just kind of it kind of follows up on that the new the new Guardians was kind of a step up but you know when you're reading a big bunch of issues like this like six we read nine gone through nine issues so far and you, and I would have to say that I think the I think the core issues were probably closer to the Green Lantern issues than they were to the New Guardians issues. Though I do know a lot of people seem to like Green Lantern Corps, and some people think Green Lantern Corps has been the best of the new, uh, the best of the new creative team's books, but I still think New Guardians is. Yeah. And I don't want to be overly negative about it. Um, I think uh, there are some positive things about the book. It's just that. Okay, let's put. If anybody out there is reading this book and really enjoying it, write in uh, lanterncast at gmail.com or leave us a voicemail at seven zero eight lantern, and just let us know why you're liking it. Maybe there's something I'm not seeing. Um, it's not that I hate these issues. It's just that uh, what Mark said was it's it's about it being kind of forgettable. It sounds harsh, but it's it's true, kind of. Like I, they're, I, not forgettable in the sense that I'm never going to remember what happened in these issues, but just like it's not. When it, when a character is put in danger or their life is threatened, you're supposed to feel something, like you know, oh crap. But every time anything even remotely dangerous happens in any of these three issues, you're just like, eh, they'll get out of it. Like, no big deal. You know, and it's not like I don't expect people to die in these issues. Every time there's a re- – basically recruits are like red shirts. <laughs> um, someone's going to die at some point. Um, but I don't know. You just never get any sense of real menace from these issues. And you're dealing with Derlin's Kund, and the death of the entities, basically. And none of it feels particularly threatening. You know what I mean? Right. So, yeah, I don't know. But yeah, right. If you're reading these issues or uh, and liking them, or just reading this, like out of all the Lantern titles, you're only reading Core, uh, and you love it or something, it, write in, let us know why. Because um, you know maybe there's something we're missing. I don't know. <sighs> Anything else you want to talk about on these issues, Mark? No, I think I think for now we I think we've covered them well. Or we've covered them. Hopefully people think we covered them well. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, some listener feedback. I'm going to, I mean, there's, it's only been a couple of days since we recorded the, the previous episode. So what we're going to do is just run through the uh, Twitter and Facebook stuff real quick. Um, I know we recently, in, in between this episode and the last one, we posted up our first episode with the two top fives and a life freeze report from uh, 170. Um, so thanks to Dwayne, um, Sean, um, and uh, um, Lance and Rachel and everyone for, you know, liking that stuff. Um, pimping it out. <laughs> um, looks like Mark had a good little conversation with somebody, uh, Chris, uh, about the new White Lantern battery. Yes, that's the uh, – I guess we can throw it out there even though I'm sure we'll mention it in a future Lorfleet slash St. Walker report that I guess the first new battery that will be solicited – um, for 2014 will be the White Lantern battery. So that's that's pretty cool, and I'm pretty excited about that. I think a lot of people will be interested in the White battery. And by luck of the draw, the Blue Power battery, as as, we, as we're recording this, the Blue pa- Power battery uh, shipped this week, at least from DCBS, because I got mine yesterday, and it's pretty cool. <laughs> but you love that. I do. I, it doesn't seem to be as bright, ironically, I think, as like maybe the – the yellow or the green, but maybe once they put them, it's not sitting next to the other battery. So once I'll have a better idea once that happens, but I'm, it's, it's very nice though. Yeah. The only way I would get, um, get the white lantern battery is if I lost weight. And I don't know if you saw what I posted on your little conversation over there. Um, I but if I lost weight, I would totally do a dead man cosplay. Oh, gotcha. Okay, now I understand. Uh, <laughs> and the reason I say lose weight is because that costume is basically mostly spandex. <laughs> uh, um, there's no way I'm wearing spandex right now. Um, but I, I would do total brightest day dead man with like a, a white mask in my pocket of my big brown trench coat and carrying a white lantern battery around with a white lantern ring i think that'd be pretty freaking cool looking to see like even even if i didn't do it but i was like at a con and saw someone dressed as brightest day dead man like that like wearing the trench coat and everything i think that'd be pretty cool i'd have to get a picture with him um uh and then uh lance uh said was talking about how um he had just listened to the fifth anniversary episode and was blushing because he loves us and we're awesome. Um, and what, he was way to go, Lance. Yeah, uh, he was wondering why Chad showed up at, at my door. <laughs> this is going to be tough to explain to my roommates. Um, <laughs> yeah, that, that was whatever. I don't know why they said that. Um, and then uh, we had a little. I, I posted something on the Facebook page. I don't remember if we. Uh, talked about it last time about the batteries and rings did we yeah we did we did okay um and then uh running over to uh to uh twitter just uh one one thing real quick i was talking about how the uh, new episode was up and andy who is, is one of our um more vocal uh listeners over on twitter Said he was looking forward to it and actually asked if we have a plan of how often the episodes will come out, asked if they would be weekly. Um, And when I answered him, he said, that's excellent. He'll be there and be listening. So cool. Thanks, Andy, for listening. Uh, I know that he's a a big listener over on Twitter. He's not really active on Facebook or the forums or anything, but uh, we have a couple of listeners that 
only keep in touch with us through certain social media means, and Andy's one of our uh, Twitter followers, more uh, active Twitter followers. So I figured it'd be a good point to bring this up now. We're trying to play catch up pretty quick. So basically, when James says, you know, the episode has been edited and is ready to post up, you know, if it's not like late at night or something and I have the time to do it, basically, the, the moment I have time to post up an episode, it'll go up. Um, after we get caught up and kind of get back in the swing of things, uh, as far as being uh, more consistent, I'm thinking about posting every Tuesday and then, you know, doing, you know, the social media blitz on Wednesdays. I read somewhere online that like Wednesdays around three o'clock are the best times to do Twitter and Facebook posts because that's when they get the most visibility. Um, we used to post like around every Tuesday anyway, so why not you know, try and continue that? Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm thinking once we get all the caught up episodes, uh, out there, uh, these four episodes with, uh, the three issue reviews and then the, the lights out thing, uh, we'll try and make them, uh, more weekly and more consistent. I've got, uh, two episodes I'm working on right now, um, that I'm trying to edit together some, uh, some audio for. And then we got the Christmas episode, which obviously this that, that probably won't even be edited. We'll probably just get the audio and throw it up as quickly as possible without with very with little to no editing. Um, so it's you know timely. But once once we're caught up on everything, we'll we'll probably I'm not saying it will happen, but I'm thinking of shooting for every Tuesday, uh, and we'll try it that way. I don't know what you were, you were thinking about that, Mark. You put me on the spot now, Chad. It doesn't really matter, does it? <laughs> what you think <laughs> yeah well, well as long as as long as we have you know we have the material and the topics i mean we, we there's no reason why we can't be putting stuff out fairly regularly i don't know if i i don't know if i don't know if we'll be able to record every week um but, it, but then again depending how much we have in the can then it doesn't mean that for a long period of time we couldn't put stuff out you know close to every week but we will we will see right and uh that was the last bit of news there, uh, or feedback there. And one last thing before we throw it over to Mark to read this long email we got. <clears throat> Mark sent me some stuff, and it was pretty awesome. I didn't mention it last time because I didn't want to mention it at that time for some reason or another. I forget what the, the reason was. There was some rationale there. But uh, now that you guys have heard the episode 170, I got a Total Justice Parallax figure from Mark and a uh, Yellow Lantern Sinestro still in package. So that's... I'm sick, so my enthusiasm sounds dwindled. <laughs> but it's not. So I just wanted to give Mark a shout-out on air, man. That's awesome. Well, Appreciate thank you. Well, you're very welcome. I'm glad I'm glad you like it. Um, like a them, I should say, not it. Uh, oh, it's always nice finding a home for Parallax, too. I think... I think I think I'm down somewhere in a in a box somewhere. I think I'm down to maybe one parallax left that's never been never been given out or anywhere. I think so. Maybe it'll be a contest prize or something someday. Never know. Um, like I got a good deal on him when I got him. So after all these years, what can you dwindling down to the fun, to the uh, to the ends of the supply, just like I think I have. There's a couple more of the Hal Beanie Babies, too, I think I still have from the Warner Brothers store. <laughs> and I for totally forgot about the finger until I saw it. Well, if you don't plan on... Oh, actually, if you open him, you might be able to straighten it out, even though it's been it's been that way for such a long time now. But, yeah, 
like I said, beggars couldn't be choosers when I bought them, unfortunately. That's something I don't think I realized at the time. They just had a bunch of them. I bought everything they had, you know, when KB was had them on clearance. I was like, oh, it's, that's... But the, but the sculpt is still pretty damn cool, even though he has no mu not much articulation. But considering that we've only had a couple of parallax figures, period, that the face sculpt on that one's pretty damn awesome, actually. Yeah. Uh, and I haven't decided whether or not I'm going to take him out of package. Oh, no. Sinestro's Sinestro's up on a on a push pin in the wall, hanging up off of that. So I have no idea if I'm going to take him out of the package or not. Probably not. I don't know. But then again, I at some point I used to think I would never ever 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 take my Green Lantern Batman out of the package. And then one day, <laughs> one day randomly, I was like, I got to take him out of the package. I just couldn't take it anymore. So I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. That's right. To do with as you please. It's yours, my friend. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. You're welcome. Uh, um, and we got one long email, and since I'm sick and can't, and <laughs> I would say I can't talk for any length of time, but I've gone on two long rambling tangents in this one episode, so um, that's not really a valid excuse. But I'll throw <laughs> I'll throw it to to Mark. So uh, we got an email, uh, and uh, yeah, go ahead, Mark. This was a an email in response or to the fifth end of the fifth anniversary episode. It was so it was. Its subject is happy birthday. It's from our friend Flodo Span. And here, here thus writes Flodo Span. Uh, Dear Lantern Casters, old and new. Wow, big news at the Lantern Cast Sector precinct last week. Congratulations on celebrating your fifth birthday. That's a heck of a milestone. Jim, Dad, and latterly Chad have shown brightly for all of us Green Lantern fans. As a longtime listener and major Green Lantern geek, I have felt part of a wider community through listening to the show. I never did the whole forum th forums thing, so before Twitter and before my own blogs, podcasts were my gateway to the comic book community. And along with Raging Bullets and more recently Blog of Owa, you have been my go-to show. I was sorry to hear Jim and Dan are hanging up their microphones. Listening to you three guys argue <laughs> with each other issue after issue has been a lot of fun. I have often been convinced Jim is right about something until Dan starts talking and then I'd switch sides, or I'd be in full agreement with Dan until Chad comes in with another point of view that makes me reconsider. I know the guys aren't giving up podcasting altogether, but I don't think I have 88 episodes of Sliders in me. Sorry, guys. Can't wait for those Green Lantern Elseworld shows, though. I love most of the stuff you've done, but my favorite, episode have, favorite episodes have to be Dan's solo shows on Mosaic. That book is the pinnacle of all Lantern titles, in my opinion, and it was great to hear from somebody who felt as strongly about it as I do. It's good news that Mark has come on board, thank you, with Chad to take the show forward. This is an exciting time to be a GL fan with the new creative teams on all of the books. I think for the most part, the new teams are doing spectacular work, and I'm glad the Lantern cast will be there to share in it. Let's hope you can keep up with the scheduling deadlines. I know it's not easy. I have stopped doing weekly reviews on my own Green Lantern blog because I couldn't stick – I think he means stick to the pace. Uh, best of luck for the future. If you're st still recording, I'll still be listening. And that's on Stitcher, by the way. And best regards and like the lantern. And that's our inside joke, and that's Flodo. Awesome. Um, so I'll just take the end part first. Stitcher, thank you for letting us know you're listening on Stitcher. Um, as far as I'm aware, there's no way to get reporting back from Stitcher on how many listeners we have or what episodes they're streaming most or anything like that. Um, 
for those of you who are not aware, because uh, Jim and Dan were always kind of nebulous on what Stitcher was, or at least made it sound like they were nebulous on what it was, Stitcher is like the Pandora of podcasts. Um, you know, you install the app on your phone or smart device, uh, and you know, set up an account and then find your favorite podcast and stream the most recent episodes um, that way. So you don't have to, like you know, like I do with iTunes subscribe to various episodes and have them download onto your system uh this way it takes no up no space and you can stream it wirelessly through through stitcher um i believe stitcher only has like a a limited catalog so you can only listen to like the most recent uh episodes like up to five or ten episodes something like that um if there's a way to get reporting back, I'll try and figure that out on what Stitch, on who's listening on Stitcher or what. But if you guys are listening to us, whether you're downloading the episodes from the website, through iTunes, listening through Stitcher, um, whatever it may be, uh, let us know. Um, I know that we get reporting back from iTunes uh, about that stuff. But uh, since we're available on at least three different platforms, basically, I don't know what people are are, are I don't know from where people are listening. Um, like I know like on the websites when we post episodes, you can go to the, the post and hit play from the website. You don't even have to download it. You can just hit play and be on the page. So I don't uh, – maybe there are people listening on the main page and not even downloading the episodes and just doing it that way. I don't know. Um, but uh, if thank you so much for listening on Stitcher. I know that um, with all – because of the job I currently have, um, a lot of um, – uh, a lot of uh, infotainment systems, basically all those touchscreens they're putting in the cars now, are coming out with various applications, one of which are Stitcher, so you can listen through Stitcher through your car while you're driving if you want. Um, so that's cool to hear that uh, you're listening on Stitcher. Really appreciate that. Um, uh, I hope you can keep up with scheduling deadlines. Uh, hopefully you're, you're, you're enjoying what you're hearing so far in the fact that this is the, what, uh, this is our fourth episode already and it's only been what, a couple of weeks? Pretty much. This is, what is this? this? This is like the third time, pretty much the third time in eight days that we've recorded, I -hmm. believe. And we have two more and and we're going to have two more coming in the next five days, I think. (laughs) Yep. Yep. Uh, I'm, I'm cracking the whip over Mark's head and he hates me for it. (laughs) <laughs> or his his wife might hate me for it, who I've never met, and I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, I wonder, did, does does she like have a stream of consciousness, uh, cursing and stuff? Like, can she be our new Lauren? <laughs> I I just don't see her picking up the the Lauren mantle. I just don't. <laughs> <laughs> she can get, she she can get mad, but I just I just don't see that happening. Not the same way, anyway. <laughs> Um, all right. Um, she'd be happy to come on, but I don't think she'd be. <laughs> but maybe, maybe you you two can do a, a, a Valentine's Day episode. <laughs> maybe even though she's she's more she's more blue than violet. <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. Uh, anything you wanted to specifically comment on in here? Um, I think you covered it. I mean, I thought I, it's, I, I mean, it's good that people, that people are finding us in all the different places that we're, that we are available on. And I think that's, that is important. And it's good that he, he mentioned that. Uh, it was a very nice letter. There's absolutely no doubt about that. Very, 
very kind to all of us, and we really and we appreciate his support. There's no doubt about that. And hopefully, uh, I think meeting deadlines. I don't. I really don't think that'll be much of an issue. Which is not a shot at Dan and Jim at all. It's just that I suspect Chad and I will be pretty good at once we set a deadline, sticking to it, unless there's some technical issues that get in the way. Um, and hopefully, from a topic point of view, hopefully we'll be able to mix up the topics quite well. Be now that once we get completely caught up with the issues, that we can do some, you know, some re- reflections and retros- retrospectives and things like that that we haven't been able to do or the time hasn't been right for. And yeah, I think it should be a lot of good topics on the coming forward. I believe. Yeah, I know that there are some people out there who prefer the Green Lantern uh, current issue reviews, and I know there are some people out there who don't like the uh, current issue reviews. Just because they're not reading the comics and they just prefer to listen to, you know, Jim and Dan and myself or me and Mark now uh, just ramble on about whatever we want, uh, Lantern related or not Lantern related. Um, But, you know, it's a Green Lantern podcast and uh, we're going to do some reviews now. We need to get caught up. So Mark and I do have plans for other topics. Um, that are not current issue reviews, but are Green Lantern specific, like he was saying with retrospectives and stuff. Um, we might have given away some of that in the past, but as of this particular moment, I don't want to say anything in particular. Um, uh, Floto mentioned the uh, Elseworlds podcast. Uh, Jim and I don't currently have any particular plans. Um, at least we haven't discussed it, but I'm sure it'll be coming at some point in the near future. And like I said earlier in this episode, I've got two episodes that I'm working on. Um, and, uh, yeah, why not? One of them is the, uh, the second episode of the Green Lantern, Green Arrow podcast. Um, so it's coming back. And, um, yeah, I don't know when the guys are do- – he mentioned the Sliders podcast. I don't know when the guys are doing that. Uh, I'm obviously not part of that podcast. So, I, you know, whatever their little Facebook messaging back and forth uh, about getting that off the ground and going is, I have no idea. But – I'm sh- I'm certain that once it gets off the ground and they've got a plan set up, you'll probably hear about it on this show. Um, so yeah, uh, and as far as the Mosaic podcast, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I've I've never read Mosaic. Uh, Dan's episodes were pretty were really good, but you know, having no history with that series, I don't know. Um, Obviously, every uh, every series can be someone's favorite, and obviously Mosaic is Flotos. And actually, uh, I think we even mentioned it last episode during listener feedback that Floto was pimping Mosaic to somebody else on Twitter. Um, so he's obviously got some some love for that uh, series and, and dance coverage of it. So, so thanks. Uh, um, like I was saying earlier about Andy, there are people who. Uh, keep in touch with us strictly through certain uh, social media aspects. And I'm pretty sure it's basically uh, Scott, Floto, and Andy who are, you know, kind of uh, the the biggest, uh, and Dwayne to some some extent, are kind of our biggest uh, Twitterers or whatever you want to, tweeters or whatever the heck the the verbiage is there. Um, Floto's always been pretty cool. And his, his blog... Oh, crap. Um, do you know what his blog is? Off yes, the top of your head? Yeah, I just wasn't sure if you want if if I should have mentioned it or not. But yes, his uh his blog is flotospage.blogspot.com. 
Yeah. Said. I've, I've got a link to it, I think, on my um, on Core Conjecture, which might as well mention it here. Um, core Conjecture is it's not going away, and neither is um, and neither is the Suda Souls blog or any of my other blogs. It's just it's just when it comes to um, when it comes to th- to uh, the various lantern related stuff I'm doing. Obviously, with the with the more with the involvement that I have now in the Lantern Cast, the way it is, and it's not just you know showing up to record and that's it. Uh, it's obviously more in depth, more more involved now. I'm not going to have a whole lot more time to spend time scanning pages. And coming up with posts and doing uh, social media blitzes for those posts and stuff. Um, the Ragman blog is, if if I were to rank my my blogs, the Ragman blog is my is my baby. That's that's the one I if I'm gonna keep if if someone came up to me and said I have to get rid of all of my blogs except for one, it's the Ragman one I'm gonna keep um, because. I love that character. I don't think he gets enough attention, uh, and so on and so forth. But that does not mean I don't have passion for my other blogs and that I don't, won't be keeping up with them. Um, it's just that posting is probably going to be a little, uh, a little less uh, continuous. Like right now, I'm on uh, Core Conjecture, and my last post was September 24th. Um, so I'm sorry about that. I do want to post. It's just I don't have the time uh, at the moment um so yeah uh i don't know i i, I, I was, we were talking about floto's blog and i started talking about my own um floto's page i've got uh yeah i've actually got a link to it on uh, under my favorite blog section of core conjecture um like mark said it's uh floto's page.blogspot.com uh but there's a link to it uh under there uh, and his most recent post was two weeks ago called The Problem with Yellow. Um, and Floto's been doing a, a good job over on his uh, on his blog for a while. And obviously, he's posted more recently than I have. Um, so, yeah, he, it's not like there's any sort of um, – that I haven't been able to see. It's not like there's sort of a theme to his uh, his blog. He's basically just covering whatever he wants Green Lantern related. And it works. He's got some good insights. Uh, I see uh, he does. Uh, he did a review of uh, I think it's uh, issue 181 of Green Lantern with uh, from the Len Wein and Dave Gibbons run. You know, it's kind of a you know a random place some people might think, but he's got a lot of comments on it. And uh, I've been keeping up with his blog. It's it's uh, it's good quality stuff. I don't know. Have have you read his blog, Mark? I must be honest to say at the moment I have not, but I'm but I've been meaning to catch up, so I'm going to have to buckle down and. After we get done recording 24-7, then I'll have to take a few seconds to breathe and then check out his blog. <laughs> um, he, he has a, a cool kind of post, Construct of the Week, uh, that he does sometimes. He, he's got one that was posted on November 3rd, uh, Construct Cosmic Arm Wrestling, generated by Hector Hammond and Hal Jordan. Um, basically, two green constructs in the middle of space uh, arm wrestling. <laughs> it's, it's pretty funny. 
Um, but yeah, anyways, moving right along. Uh, so yeah, that's that's the feedback. Uh, is there anything you wanted to say, Mark, before we go into the closing? No, I think right now I think I think I'm pretty good. I think we covered pretty much everything that I planned on discussing in this issue. So I think I'm good. And I have no and I have nothing to push. So I guess I'm good. <laughs> Mark will be starting up his own blog soon. I would like <laughs> to actually. I, that's something that is on my short-term list. I would like to start my own blog. I just maybe maybe I'll make some baby steps towards that during the Christmas break that I have. So <laughs> uh, awesome. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and let you do the closing. Sorry for rambling, guys. I'm kind of becoming incoherent at the moment with the way I feel. So uh, Mark, go ahead and take us through the closing. It's all that cough medicine, probably, Chad. Actually, I can't even afford that right now. I have to wait. I have to wait for a couple of days. Aw, now I feel bad about my joke. Nice going. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you accomplished your mission. Uh, <laughs> so if you'd like to contact, you'd like to contact us, you can email us at lanterncast, lanterncast at gmail.com. You can visit our website, lanterncast.com, and through there you can access our forums. You can check out our galleries, and there's a bunch of other cool things too should actually follow up on product of the week. I should at least make it product of the month and pick up on that again now since I kind of fell off the radar. Um, you can follow us on Twitter. You can like us on Facebook. Uh, Facebook supports and recognizes hashtags now. So besides Twitter, use hashtag GLCast, and you can find us on both Twitter and Facebook now. Um, we are on iTunes and Stitcher. And if you would like us, and if you like us, I should say, on iTunes, please leave Please, please, please leave a positive review. And last but not least, if you'd like to leave us a voicemail, call us at 708-LANTERN and let us know what you think and how we're doing. That's right. Um, next week is Red Lanterns, and then uh, we should be fairly caught up. Uh, we haven't decided when we'll be doing the uh, the uh, Lights Out episode, but uh, I'm sure what we'll do is probably take a break. <laughs> Because uh, between uh, Green Lantern, New Guardians, Green Lantern Corps, Red Lanterns, and the Christmas episode, that's enough to carry us into the next year. So we'll probably be taking a break the last two weeks of the year. Um, but we obviously have plenty of content in the can to go up. So uh, plus the other two episodes I'm working on. So if I ever you know get off my ass and do what I'm supposed to do with that, <laughs> uh, that'll be that'll be fine. Um, so yeah, next episode Red Lanterns and. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. You're done good, Chad. I'm, I'm done. <laughs> All right. All right, good night, guys. Good night, everybody. <laughs>